right, good morning. Great to see you. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Deuteronomy chapter 33. Thank you, administration, for inviting me to speak. This has become like a home away from home for me, and I love it here. I'm so thankful for Dr. Chapel and the friend that he's been to me. Thankful for the friends that I've made among the faculty and staff over the years, and we're grateful to have several students from Worth Baptist Church here this morning. Now, I'll read my text here in just a moment. Let me give you just a few minutes of information, uh, of introduction, if I can. You guys are young, and you can handle standing for just one or two minutes, can't you? I think you can. It was the Puritan Thomas Brooks who said, Satan promises the best, but pays with the worst. He promises honor and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss. He promises life and pays with death. But God pays as he promises, and all his payments are made in pure gold. This morning, I want to give you a promise that has been pure gold to me since I discovered it. I discovered it in the early days of the pandemic, and I have quoted this promise every day since. I've already claimed it today. I claimed it several times last week. And I hope that as we bring it out from God's word, this will be one of the promises you claim for the rest of your life. Here in just a moment, we're going to read, let me start with this. My wife was one of those poor, unfortunate souls who suffers with migraine headaches. I wonder how many of you have a migraine headache before. They're terrible. When she gets them, the pressure in her head is excruciating. It causes her great pain. Many times, the only relief that she can get is to go into her room, turn off all the lights, and keep things extremely silent. As her husband, I try to help her, but it's hard for me to understand. I've never had a migraine headache before. When I get a headache, I go to the medicine cabinet, I take two ibuprofen, I sit down for a minute, and I'm fine, but not her. Tori has a special bottle of medicine in her medicine cabinet, and on the front it says in big, bold letters, extra strength. I have ordinary headaches, so I take ordinary strength medicine. She has extraordinary headaches, so she needs extra strength medicine. I think we all recognize this morning that we are not living in ordinary days. We are living in extraordinary days. And with these days have come extra stresses, extra fears, extra problems, in many cases, extra excruciating pain. The good news from God's word this morning is that there is a place to go for extra strength. And the title of the message this morning is Extra Strength for Extraordinary Days. Let's read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 33. Verse 24. And of Asher he said, Let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon a land of corn and wine. Also his heavens shall drop down dew. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellency. And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. I want you to notice the promise at the end of verse 25. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Let's pray. 
Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would bless this time in your word. I pray that this promise will become as precious to these students as it has become to me. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. If you want to stay worried, stressed out, discouraged, or depressed, don't claim the promise in Deuteronomy 33, verse 25, as thy day, so shall thy strength be. Everybody else, you can claim it. I want to talk to you, first of all, about the context of the promise. The context teaches us about the one who makes it. Deuteronomy chapter 33 records the last words of Moses. In chapter 34, he'll go up to Mount Nebo, he'll view the promised land, and he'll die. But before he dies, he has a special blessing for the 12 tribes of Israel. Many Bible college students know this. Our nation is divided into states, but the nation of Israel was divided into 12 tribes. Each of them could trace their family lineage back to Jacob, the progenitor. Our promise today was made to the tribe of Asher. You say, Pastor Jill, I didn't even know there was a tribe of Asher. Well, there's not a lot of biblical information about this tribe. It's one of those tribes that is often overlooked. Turn back with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 30, and let's see the beginning of this tribe. Genesis chapter 30. Asher was the eighth son of Jacob. He was the second son of Zilpah, Leah's maid. Here's what it says about his birth in Genesis 30, verse 13. And Leah said, Happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. The word Asher literally means blessed or happy. The boy's name was happy. What an awesome name. It was Asher's destiny to be a happy child and to make others in his life happy. Turn over to Genesis chapter 49, if you will. Genesis 49. Now it's Jacob's turn to die, and he is going to bless his children one by one. And look at what blessing he gives to the tribe of Asher when he gets to his eighth son. It says in Genesis 49, verse 20, Out of Asher his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. In other words, Asher will eat great, rich, delicious food, food that's fit for kings. No wonder he and his tribe were so happy. The tribe of Asher was a tribe that was singularly blessed by God, and they would be a blessing to the entire nation. Now go back to our text in Deuteronomy 33. Back in our text in verse 24, Moses promised that Asher would be blessed with children and that they would be acceptable to his brothers. Think about that. Seems like every family has some siblings who are difficult to get along with. And if you don't know who that is in your family, it's probably you. <laughs> but every family has some folks who are easy to get along with. Like that aunt who never stirs up any family drama, always shows up to gatherings with a big bowl of banana pudding and everybody seems to like her. Asher was that tribe in the nation of Israel. He was a blessing to the entire nation. Then Moses prophesied that the tribe of Asher would dip their feet in oil. Now this is interesting. When Joshua divided the promised land, Asher was given a premier piece of real estate in the northern part of Israel. It bordered the Mediterranean Sea, and it was especially famous for its olive orchards. The prediction here is that olive oil would flow from the land of Asher so much so that they would dip their feet in it. It was a promise of overflowing prosperity. Then he says, thy shoes shall be iron and brass. Iron and brass were the strongest known metals in that day. The promise is that although you will be prosperous and blessed and you will dip your feet in oil, there will also come some times, Asher, when the road will be rocky and rough 
And when you face seasons of adversity and challenge in your life, I will give you shoes of iron and brass to protect you. What a promise. Then it says in verse 26, there is none like unto the God of Jeshurun. What does that mean, the God of Jeshurun? Well, Jeshurun was one of God's pet names for Israel. You dating couples have pet names for each other. I know you do. And yes, they do make your friends sick. Cut it out in public if you would. Jeshurun was one of God's pet names for Israel. It literally means stray, upright, or honest. Now, Israel's made quite a journey here. Remember, they got their name. They came from a man who was named Jacob. Remember what Jacob's name meant? Trickster, cheater, supplanter, deceiver. Then, if you remember, Jacob wrestled with God all night and he lost and God gave him a new name. He called him Israel, prince with God. Now God looks at his nation and says that this is an upright, straight, and honest nation. Now think about it with me, if you will. Aren't you glad this morning that you serve a God who knows how to turn Jacob's into Jeshurun's? Isn't that all of our stories? We were crooked and deceived by sin, and through the blood of Christ, he made us princes and princesses with God, and now he is making us into honest and upright and straight people. We serve the God of Jeshurun today. The God of Jeshurun rides upon the heaven in thy help, and his excellency is in the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. In other words, wherever you look, above you, around you, beneath you, your God is there. How encouraging. Then look at the last recorded words of Moses in verse 29. This is it. He's about to die. Deuteronomy 33, 29. Happy art thou, O Israel, and who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellency. Can I remind you this morning that even in difficult, uncertain days, if you belong to God's people, you belong to a happy tribe. You have been saved by the Lord. He is the shield of your help. Think about it. Moses is about to die. He's going out. He knows this is his final day on earth, but he is happy. He goes out rejoicing because even though he knows that he is dying, he knows God would not. And I would remind you this morning that no matter what's happened in your life over the past year, God has not died. He is still your shield. He is still your salvation. And if you can't rejoice in anything else in life, you can rejoice that you are a part of the happy people of God. It's the context of the promise that reminds us of the character of the one who makes the promise. I want you to notice, secondly, the content of the promise. Let's go back and zero in on this phrase at the end of verse 25. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. What does it mean? Well, it means at least two things. First of all, it means that God's strength is delivered daily. God's strength is delivered daily. Notice he does not say, as thy weeks, or as thy months, or as thy years, or as thy decades. He says, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. We often measure our lives in terms of years and decades, but God always measures them in the scriptures by our days. Lamentations 3 says that God's mercies are new when? Every morning. In the 90th Psalm, Moses prayed, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Paul wrote that our outward man is perishing like a cheap tent, but that our inward man is being renewed by God day by day. 
Jesus said that we are to deny ourselves, take up our crosses daily, and follow him. I want to remind you today that God intends for us to live the Christian life one day at a time. And with each new day comes a special delivery of God's strength for you to do everything that God intends for you to do on that day. This is what the promise means. As thy day, so shall thy strength be. Now, folks, we don't get a lifetime supply of strength. We don't get to buy it in bulk. It can't be stockpiled or hoarded. It can't be frozen, preserved with formaldehyde. Strength expires at the 59th second of the 59th minute of the 23rd hour of your day. But the good news is that as soon as the calendar turns over and the earth has rotated on its axis once again, with a new day comes a new delivery of God's strength. The promise here is that today's strength will be sufficient for today's troubles and trials. I want to say that again. Today's strength will be sufficient for today's troubles and trials. So let's make some practical application from this for a minute. If that's true, if God intends to give me every day the strength I need for that day, then there are a few things I shouldn't do. First of all, don't bring yesterday's trouble into today. You see, folks, if I did what I was supposed to do with yesterday's sins, if I confessed them, then I can be assured from God's word that he has forgiven me of those sins and he has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103 says that as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 38 says that he has cast our sins behind his back. Isaiah 44 says he has blotted out our transgressions as a thick cloud. One of my favorite passages in Colossians says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Hebrews says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Folks, over and over again in the Bible, God says that if you have confessed your sin, it has been forgiven you, and that sin is gone, praise God. Not only has God forgiven it, but the Bible says he's forgotten it. So I would ask you, young person, if God has forgotten it and cast it behind his back, why do you keep trying to chase it down? If he's forgotten it, why do you keep reminding him about it and reminding everybody else about it? Some of you perhaps are holding on to guilt resulting from things you did before you got serious about living for God. And every time you want to fully surrender yourself to God, or every time you begin to dream that God could do something big in your life, Satan reminds you of that thing you did. Ladies and gentlemen, if that's you, tell, um, tell Satan to go back to where he came from and to take his guilt with him. God can use your life. I was like you. I made some big mistakes before I came to Bible college. And I sat in auditoriums like this and looked at my classmates who hadn't made some of those mistakes. And I thought God could never use anyone like me. You know what I figured out? I figured out that if Moses got a second chance... David got a second chance, and Peter and Paul and John Mark got a second chance, that I could have one too. Ladies and gentlemen, our God is a second chance God, and he can do some great things with second chance people. Today's going to have some trouble too, so don't bring yesterday's guilt into today. If you've never dealt with it, get it under the blood of Jesus and refuse to carry the baggage of guilt any longer. So don't bring yesterday's trouble into today. But secondly, and maybe more importantly, don't bring tomorrow's trouble into today. Have you figured out yet that most of the things you worry about won't ever happen? 
<laughs> I mean, 99% of the things you're worried about this morning aren't going to happen at all. And the other 1% is only troubling because God hasn't given you the strength to handle those things yet because they haven't happened yet. Jesus gave us some really good advice in Matthew 6 and 34. He said, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, I've got to say, that verse has not always been comforting to me, Dr. Getch, because it is a promise from Jesus that tomorrow we'll have some trouble too. But if you combine what Matthew 6, 34 says with what our text says in Deuteronomy 33, here's what it means. Yes, I will have trouble tomorrow, but tomorrow's troubles will be met by tomorrow's strength. You see, folks, I don't get Wednesday's strength on Tuesday. I get Tuesday's strength on Tuesday. I am to take care of Tuesday with the strength that God has given me today and trust that God will take care of Wednesday and give me enough strength for that day when it happens. Charles Spurgeon, the great British pastor, said this, The same God who guides the stars in their courses, who directs the earth in its orbit, who feeds the burning furnace of the sun and keeps the stars perpetually burning with their fires, that same God has promised to supply your strength. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Wow. You're here this morning, you say, I don't know if I can stay in school one more day. I don't know if I can deal with this physical problem or handicap one more day. I don't know if I can fight off temptation one more day. Hold on a second. You're telling me God can keep the sun shining, the earth spinning, the wind blowing, the birds singing, the bees buzzing, the grass growing? God can sustain millions of planets and trillions of stars, but he can't give little old you the strength you need to go on for one more day. Can I remind you of something? God has made your strength his obligation, and there is no power shortage in heaven. And if God were to fail you, you would be the first because for 365 days a year, for thousands and thousands of years, God has given his people all the strength they need to do everything he has called them to do. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. So don't bring tomorrow's troubles in today because God has promised whatever happens tomorrow, he'll give you the strength to meet it. So what does it mean? God's strength is delivered daily. I want you to know this lastly. God's strength is distributed appropriately. It's distributed appropriately. Because the promise is not just that we will get strength every day, but that we will get strength that is as or equal to our days. How many of you understand that not every day is created equal? Some days are ordinary, and on the ordinary days, the promise is you'll get ordinary strength. Some days are, however, extra, and the promise is on the extra days, you'll get extra strength. You've heard the expression, I had more month than money. I had more school bill than money, right? The promise here is that there will never be a time when you have more day than strength, no matter how difficult the day may be. And when I thought about difficult days, of course, the first person that came to my mind was Job. Job had a really terrible day, didn't he? It all started one morning when he poured his coffee and left for work, totally oblivious to the fact that he was a subject of cosmic contest. It all started when those pesky Sabaeans stole his donkeys and his oxen and killed his servants. 
The messenger came and Job thought perhaps, hey, at least I still have my sheep. Well, then comes another message that, oddly enough, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed his sheep. Job says, hey, somebody better check on the camels. But while he was yet speaking, sorry, Job, the camels are gone too. And Job is broke. In a matter of moments, he's gone from the country club to the projects, from CEO to unemployed. Then comes the worst news of all. Job, you know how all your kids were eating dinner at your oldest boy's house, all ten of them? Well, Job, a tornado came and leveled the house, and they're all dead. Let me ask you, can a day get any more difficult than that? I've never had a day that bad. Somehow, Job 1 tells us, he takes it in stride. He retains his integrity. He doesn't look for a bridge to jump off. He doesn't pour himself a drink. He rips his clothes and falls to the ground. Yes, signs of great grief. But the Bible says he also worships God. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Somehow, as the day was growing harder, Job was growing stronger. Somehow, as the messengers were coming to deliver news of big trouble, God was delivering to Job an even bigger grace. As his day, so was his strength. And if God could give a man strength and grace for a day like that, don't you think God can give you strength and grace for your midterms? I believe he can. God not only gives us strength for difficult days, he also gives us strength for different days. Because again, not every day is created equally. When I thought about the different kinds of days a person lives in life, I thought about Moses. You see, this verse is actually the testimony of his life. If any life proves that God can give strength on different kinds of days, it's the life of Moses. Someone has said that Moses' life can be split into three 40-year segments. He spent the first 40 years of his life as a prince in Egypt. He spent the second 40 years of his life as a shepherd on the backside of the desert. He spent the third 40 years of his life leading God's people through the wilderness. In the first third of his life, he was learning to be a somebody. In the second third of his life, he was learning he was a nobody. In the last third of his life, he learned that God can take a nobody and make him a somebody. When the day demanded Moses to be quiet and watch those sheep in the wilderness, God gave strength for that. When the day demanded him to be bold and stand before the leader of the world and say, let my people go, God gave strength for that too. When the day demanded that Moses bear the burdens of a million complaining people in the wilderness, God gave strength for that too. Look over to Deuteronomy chapter 34, if you will. Look at verse 7, the testimony of Moses' life. It says that Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Wow. You know what I wrote down the margin of my Bible? As his days, so was his strength. Moses' life proved it to be true. Now, folks, in economics, we live by the law of supply and demand. But in God's economy, we live by the, land, the law of demand and supply. Whatever the day demands, God will supply the strength. Can I challenge you this morning? Instead of worrying about the demand all the time, why don't you learn to just rest in the supply? As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Let me ask you, college student, are you bringing yesterday's troubles into today? Is there some sin or hurt in your past that you haven't yet dealt with? 
Could you claim 1 John 1, 9 today? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're carrying the baggage of unconfessed sin this morning, here in just a moment, you could come to the altar, bring that sin to Jesus, get it under the blood of Christ, and have your, rest or your fellowship with him restored again, and you could be free of that sin and that guilt. Let me ask you, Christian, are you bringing tomorrow's troubles into today? Are you worried, depressed, stressed out, anxious? Listen carefully to the words of Jesus. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I told you at the beginning of the sermon that there was a place to go for extra strength. That place is the feet of Jesus. Can I remind you this morning, he is the source of our strength. And the closer we get to him, the more of his strength we'll have. And if we're without strength today, it is not because of our, a deficiency in our source. It is most likely because of our distance from the source. Where do you find the strength you need? Both now and in your future ministry, where do you find it? Anywhere you can find Jesus. You can find him in the pages of God's word. You can find him on your knees in prayer. You can find him in the gatherings of your local church. You can find him at an old-fashioned altar, just like this. These are the places where God gives us his strength. They are, if you will, heaven's Amazon Prime, the way that God gets what he has that we need into our life. But let me challenge you. If we leave that box on the front porch unopened, and we let God's delivery of daily strength expire, the problem was not a deficiency in our source. The problem was not in God's ability to deliver his strength to our lives. The problem was in our distance from the source and our unwillingness to accept it. So if you're here this morning lacking strength, why don't you come here in just a moment and get close to your source again and come and claim this promise for the rest of your life. As thy days, so shall thy strength be.